All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Don here, and I wanted to bring before you another installment of Moments with Moa. I'm excited. I love doing this, and the more I do it, the more I love to do it. I'm thankful to God for the season of my life that I'm able to come and to feed the people of God. I'd rather, there's no other place that I'd rather be than here. And I want to welcome you all once again to Moa's Ark, where as I tell you every time, this is where God dwells, where Jesus reigns, where the Holy Spirit guides, and we live in the agape. That means I love you. (laughs) I love you. I love you. I love you. God has used me as an instrument or an extension of his love to his people. And it is such a great honor. It is such a great honor to exalt his people, to raise them up, to lift them up. Amen. And I pray that you feel my love. I pray that you feel my love. I wish I could just hug each and every one of you, all of the men and women of God, especially those who are struggling in the area of rejection. We talked about this on yesterday. We talked about that spirit of rejection, and I wanted to extend the conversation. I wanted to extend the conversation because this is something that has plagued the body of Christ for for a long time, a long time. There have been uh, uh, many of us who have seen the detriment and the destruction that the Spirit has had from one generation to another, to another, to another, and we still suffer through it. We still deal with it. And I want us to break the cycle. I want us to break the cycle. I want it to end with us. I, I posted something earlier today uh, in our in our uh, family group, Our Family Lives Matter. And it says something to the effect of, let me, let me go because y'all know how I do. I, I, my, my short-term memory is horrible. So I'll be trying to quote stuff and I'll be all mixed up because my brain be jumbled. Uh, So let me read it, read exactly what it said. And what it said was it ran in your family until it ran into you. (laughs) It said, God says you've been anointed to break the cycle. Generational curses stop with you. And on this day, I am so grateful and so thankful to God that the generational curses, it stops right here. It stops with us. And we have tangible and practical evidence. We don't have to manufacture or make believe that God is a God that he is not. Because he gives us miracles, signs and wonders that follow us. He answers our prayers. And he gives us forms like this to deliver practical and tangible tools so that we can navigate our way through issues that occur in our everyday living. It doesn't take away from, you know, the spiritual deliverance that we ought to seek because we need that. It doesn't take away from, you know, what we need, getting into the presence of the Lord because we need that. We need that. But these are practical steps, practical uh, principles that we can use to help us to deal with real life situations, real life circumstances. I don't know about you, but I know I am sick and tired of all of these cast statements from the body of Christ, from the church, all of these things that, you know, uh, um, the charismatic movement where folk just say stuff and it sound good, but it ain't no power behind it. It ain't no power behind it. That's why a lot of times I'm careful to come before the body and, and not be uh, influenced and, and under the full authority of the anointing that is on my life because it's about breaking and destroying the yoke. And see, a lot of times we'd rather listen to, you know, some of these jokers that come out here 
and 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 have uh, these platforms and they just say any and everything and they got no power behind nothing they say. That's why a lot of times I'll take the time to read the word of God because that, that's where your power going to be. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. Some of the stuff we go through, some of the stuff we go through, we need, <laughs> if we would just get the word of God and stand on his word, use his word like a weapon to combat the issues that we endure. But anyway, so I wanted to come on here and just uh, expand the conversation from yesterday, uh, share a few things that I had in my notes that I didn't get a chance to share uh, and, and and see if we can kind of get through this because there's a couple of other things that, um, uh, it's a couple of other things that I wanted to just, present to you okay a couple other things I wanted to present to you because I believe that knowledge is power knowledge is power not just a lot of information either I'm so sick of getting a whole bunch of information and in my area in my industry it it, it, all we have is a bunch of information and not a lot of knowledge not a lot of knowledge. So I want to encourage you to go beyond just getting information and try to get an understanding. Try to get the, the knowledge that you need, the application of that information, which brings forth wisdom. Seek truth. Seek truth in the matter. Amen. So that's what I want to do on today. And only time will tell uh, how well how well I did. Amen. So we want to go before the throne. And again, I want to invite you all to take your time. Y'all know how I do. If you've listened to me before, I'm I'm gonna go until I'm done. So if you can't listen to everything right here, right now, just place me on pause real quick. <laughs> and come back when you can. Amen. But I, I, I guarantee you, if this message is for you, if you take the time to listen and receive what God has for you, your life will be blessed. Your life is going to be blessed. Amen. All right. Praise God. Father God, we just thank and praise you. We honor you for this opportunity to come before your throne once again. We thank you for deliverance, Lord God. We celebrate you for those, Lord Jesus, who will renounce the enemy and his tactics against us generation after generation, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you for full and complete deliverance from the spirit of rejection and all of his roots. Ah, she called Oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we renounce the inherited spirit of rejection that has been passed down to us by our ancestors, Lord God. We forgive them, Lord Jesus, for passing that spirit down to us. But this day, in this moment, in this hour, this very second, we renounce it and we reject it from our lives. We render it null and void and command it. To loose now in the name of Jesus. We renounce every spirit of rejection. The spirits of fear of rejection, self-rejection, perceived rejection that have entered into our life. We renounce it now in the name of Jesus. We close every door against the spirit of rejection and cancel every legal right that rejection has had to operate in our lives. We command the spirit of inherited rejection, fear of rejection, self-rejection, and perceived rejection to loose this hold. Over us now in the name of Jesus, 
Oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we address the spirit of rejection. We address the spirit of inherited rejection, fear of rejection, self-rejection, and perceived rejection. And we cast you out, huh? Now, in the name of Jesus, we cast you out of our lives and we command you to leave us now in Jesus' holy name. Your legal right to operate in our lives has been canceled and taken away. You must leave us now in the name of Jesus and never come back, never return. Spirit of rejection, we expel you. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, we forbid you to ever operate in our lives again. In Jesus' holy name. We thank you now. We celebrate you now, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. For accepting our plea today. For bringing forth deliverance. For helping us, God, to move forward. In your name. For your name's sake. For your glory. That will never return to this place again. We command it. We declare it. And we decree it. In Jesus holy name. While we give you the honor. We give you the glory. Oh God you are worthy. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. Now Father God touch each and every person. Under the sound of my voice. Touch them from the crown of their head. To the soles of their feet. Let them know that you are the true and living God and that there is none above you. Lord God, we thank you. (laughs) We bless you. Hallelujah. We glorify and magnify your name. Now, Father God, we seal this prayer this morning through our faith. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you will dispatch your angels to do that which you have commissioned them to do. And we ask for your expedited glory to be made manifest in our lives. We will give you the glory. For the breakthrough and the deliverance that we'll receive. That we have already received on behalf of ourselves and our family members. That rejection will no longer keep us bound. Educate us. Give us wisdom. Help us to gain the knowledge that we need and the understanding that we may apply your principles to our lives that will no longer be bound. The shackles will be broken. Chains will be released. Hey, the fetters will be opened off of our lives in the name of Jesus. Oh God, let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Now, Father God, as I begin to present this word to your people, God, I pray that you will allow me to decrease, that your Holy Spirit in me will increase. Oh, God, speak to my heart that I may speak to your people. Use my mouth as an instrument to deliver a word to your people that will change their lives forever. Let them feel your love. Wrap them in your loving arms and bring them into your bosom. In this hour, Lord God, as we minister to your people, Lord God, I thank you. Lord God, I bless you and I honor you. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All right, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. All right. So I wanted to share something and I want to share it real quick so that we can continue to flow in the spirit. Amen. Flow in the spirit. But I wanted to share with you all um, just quickly a framework uh, that is, is, is very well known in the helps industry, mostly along the lines of Uh, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and and neuro-linguistic programming, which is is, uh, uh, two of the philosophies or or areas or methodologies, I would even say frameworks that I uh, lean on 
in my life coaching, you know, because my, my coaching is biblically based again, but I pull in the principles that uh, are aligned to these two areas. And the reason being is because I felt like they, they're, they're effective. They're effective. And these principles that, you know, these uh, psychologists and sociologists that they came up with, that they believe they came up with, <laughs> that are biblically based, if you, if you strip them to the core, You'll find uh, the biblical principles underneath. I, I just, I, I align my ministry in the area of life coaching uh, uh, to those things, okay? So if y'all see a flare of it, if you smell it, that's that's because that's what it is. You know, the aroma of neuro-linguistic programming and, and cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, and, and Christian-based uh, principles is in a nutshell, uh, how how I proceed with uh, my coaching with others. So this is this is a framework that we learned, and it came from uh, two well-renowned, like I said, sociologists and psychologists in the field. Uh, one, uh, his name is Morris Ma- uh, Massey. Morris Massey, M A S S E Y. He wrote a book. Uh, called The People Puzzle, The People Puzzle. And in that book, he came up with a framework for the different stages of personal development. And so there's a piece that I included in this uh, because uh, through prior training and evolution, since this book was written, I think it was written back in the, in the 70s and... and uh, just uh, they've adapted it just a little bit to add uh, Maslow's Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. Okay, so there's a piece there. So I just want to walk us through these stages. And the reason that I decided to use this framework or to introduce that to you is because I believe that it's important that we learn to associate our level of maturity our development, where we are on the spectrum of maturity to our ability or inability to manage through rejection. We, we got to get real. We got to get practical. We got to get real. You know, the thing that bothers me with the body of Christ is a lot of times we, we try to, we think that things are going to come to us through osmosis, Right. And there is a very serious spiritual component uh, to our everyday life is 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 there is there. And because we can't see it, sometimes, you know, we we may not be as um, uh, uh, conscious of it, conscious of the fact that we have a spiritual side. We're we're spiritual beings in a physical body. Okay. But on the flip side of that, there is a natural response to life because we are physical. We are in the physical realm. We are in the natural realm. So a lot of times we dismiss some of some of the natural part, some of the cognitive part, some of the tangible part. Because we've just been taught to stay, you know, in in that spiritual realm. How, how can I make this plainer? How can I um, better articu- articulate what I'm saying or what's in my head? You know, some of the issues that we deal with in life as Christians, and I, I can mainly speak to that because that's just been my life experience. I've been connected to the church almost all my life since I was about 14 years old up until today. And a lot of times when challenges come into our lives, we just say, all right, God will make a way. We're going to put it in God's hands. Oh, the devil did it. The devil made me do it. Oh, they dealing with a demon. Oh, that's got to be an imp 
<laughs> all of these cliche cast statements and things that, that are erroneous to our true development, we attach ourselves to that and we don't uh, put in the effort that is needed to actually resolve the issue that we're faced with. There's a, there's a time and a place for everything. Everything has its time. Everything has its place. And what I'm trying to get us to, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a very select group. This ain't for everybody because some folks get it better than others, but others have been struggling in this area for years. And I'm telling you, this is, this is how to draw you out. Continue to pray, continue to fast, continue to war in the spirit. Yet align yourself with these principles and the information that you're receiving and apply the knowledge that you're gaining so that you can walk in wisdom. And break this thing down. You can break it. You can break it. You can break it. You being that generation. Let it stop with you. I used to say in a church, each one teach one. So I don't care if you are senior in your generation. And you got generations beneath you. Once you get your breakthrough, go back. Go back and get them and pull them up with you. Amen. All right. But anyway, so uh, the stages of personal development. And so starting at from birth or conception, some would say, through the age of seven, this is where they identify or they labor, label that as the imprint period. So this is the imprint period period where uh, things are imprinted upon your mind and developing you into who you are. Okay. This is where you are gaining most of your developmental knowledge and application of who you are to become. That's why a lot of times with young mothers, with young mothers, I'm I'm always very cautious and careful, especially the ones that always want to call their kids bad. No, don't call them bad. The ones who, you know, want to uh, speak derogatory in front of their children, they, they are being imprinted. You're putting your imprint on them. <laughs> I, I, I got a thing with my grandbabies. I, I got these grandbabies now. And I love them. My oldest one is six. And then we had three that came last year. But I got this thing. You cannot give them too much love. Ain't no, ain't no such thing as spoiling them. And if it is, <laughs> I'm a grandma. So, you know, I'm exempt. But... Giving them as much love as you are capable of giving. Because during this period of imprinting, there is an impartation that occurs that unless that individual goes through a reprinting, re-imprinting phase, they are subject to being jacked up all of their lives if the imprinting is is not done correctly. So I told you on yesterday that my, uh, the first lady, she did this brilliant, I mean brilliant, I learned so much from uh, her series on rejection that it, it just, it really changed my life. But she honed in on the rejection that you receive before birth. And you know, women, when we got them little boogers in the, in the womb, sometimes we, you know, 
we go through some hormonal stuff so we get very sensitive we may say some stuff we may do some things and i'm not i'm not trying to shame anyone i'm not trying to condemn anyone because what's done is done i'm just trying to get you to get an understanding and as we move forward we we teach and we train our young women when when you have that baby inside of you and as much as you need to take a um, prenatal vitamin you need to make sure that your emotions are in check you need to make sure that you're feeding yourself positivity joy the things that will uh, uh, infiltrate and become nutrients to, to that child Okay, so between zero and seven, that's that's the imprint period. You're you're putting your stamp on that child and you turn around when that little child (laughs) become 21 and start acting a mess because see, you was a mess. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, was I a mess. I was 17 years old. When I had my first baby, 17, then 18, then 20. I would have been 21 at the end of that year. Then 24 and 28. I was a baby. I was a baby having a baby. And I'm talking about at 28. Didn't know what I was doing. And imagine the imprint that I put on my child. Just, just, just think about it like this. If you were to take, uh, they got them little 3D printers, and you were to take an image as developed or, or undeveloped as that image is, you go and replicate that thing. It's going to produce what you print on it. That's what we're doing to these children. They are producing what we imprint into them. We are producing the things that have been imprinted in us. I, I, I have some of my most vivid childhood memories. They come from the age of about four or five. I don't, I don't have a lot, you know, a lot. Some stuff I, <laughs> my siblings be remembering, I be wishing I could remember. Some things I remember that they don't even remember. But my point is, some of my most vivid memories come from, come from around that time. Those things are planted in my mind. And, and I'm telling you, it, it's going to be a hard task to get them out. But in that imprint period, you, you don't have to do nothing. All that is happening is you're being poured into you're being poured into. The foundation is being laid. So there's nothing that you would have to do. The next phase is between 7 to 14. <laughs> 7 to 14. So so that's, you know, the adolescent to, to the preteen, to the, you know, just right on that edge of being a teen. Now, you you thought the terrible twos were something. <laughs> wait, wait, wait till they get there. But but the significant thing is for those of you who, who were challenged with them terrible twos, what you put into that two? What you put into that two-year-old from, from birth to two? <laughs> so between seven and 14, that's the modeling period. That's when we begin to model, to act out what has been imparted into us. We, we start feeling our way and, and trying to develop and understand who we are. And this is a very critical and crucial phase. We got to be careful. We got to be careful with our children. And, 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 and you know, I, I feel horrible because, see, I didn't know this when I was raising my children. To let them, you know, explore and be themselves a little bit. All I knew was 
my kids were not going to be like other folks' kids. That, that was it. I made a conscious decision. They were going to live saved. They were going to be sanctified. They were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the time came, they were going to walk in their call. And I was serious about that thing because I decided and determined they were not going to go to hell. 7 to 14. 7 to 14. Even before the end. Because we go out in public. Oh, (laughs) y'all. You better act right. You would look at different cultures. I would I would be in different settings and look at different cultures and 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 see them letting their kids run free. Just do whatever they want to do in public. Uh-uh, no, 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 not mine. I didn't understand this theory, and therefore I didn't understand that phase of their development, which was the modeling. They're modeling the behavior that they see based on what has already been imparted into them. So in some areas, you know, I let my kids, you know, have a little bit more free range. And I'm not saying I was, you know, a horrible parent because don't 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 get it twisted. I wasn't one of those Bible thumping, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, w- I wasn't that bad, but but there are some phases in their lives that I wish that I was a little bit more lenient in allowing them to explore and develop who they are, okay? But in this, in this phase, it, it takes a little bit more effort. See, from zero to seven, hey, we just learning. Hey, I do nothing but be poured into. From seven to 14, now there is action that they're taking in their development. They are, they are in more control. They're steering the wheel, but they just don't know exactly which way to go. They don't know how to control it. They don't know how to direct it. They're just modeling. <laughs> my mother, my mother said, boy, her kids were all right until they got older and started being around other kids. Influences from other kids, you know, and now they want to do this or want to do that. And with her girls, she said they were good until, you know, they, they hit puberty. And then, boy, some of them she had a challenge with. And I'm going to say some of them because I know I was the main one. <laughs> I, probably, I probably was the worst out of all of her girls, you know. But at that phase, we're, we're modeling. And it's okay to model. And I'm, I'm going to take you somewhere with this. From 14 to 21, that is the phase of socialization. So that that's that's the phase where, okay, now you done imparted in me. Now I done started modeling what I see, replicating, emulating what I see. And at this point, now I got a conscience. Now, now I want to be accepted. Now I want everybody to see I'm a model the way that you do it. Because I don't want to be the outcast. And 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 I don't want to be perceived as peculiar, unique, or you know, unlike others. So that's between 14 to 21. And and that's the age that that phase where where anything can happen. They can go left or right. Very crucial critical phase. I remember well at the age of 14 my life in my family changed forever. My life, that was when I was separated from the family and, uh, you know, got 
in in the state and you know we'll we'll talk about that some other time but i remember a conversation that i had with my father because i was i was modeling the behavior that i saw i was doing some things that was not consistent with how he was raising us and again Uh, y'all don't heard my testimony about my daddy. My daddy was an H-U-S-T-L-E-R hustler. <laughs> he was a hustler. He was he was a a man of such street savvy. My father belonged in somebody's church, but I'm telling you that man was out there in them streets. And he owned the streets. Trust me when I tell you. But I believe that the love that he had for his family caused him to sacrifice the love that he had for them streets. And sometimes he was successful, other times he wasn't. But anyway, he had a love for that lifestyle, for the community that he built around him, the culture that it brought to him, good, bad, or indifferent. He loved that stuff. It was it was a part of who he was. But at this age, I think I had to be 13 actually, close to 14 because I was removed from the home at 14. But at about 13 years old, he set me down. And he explained to me that I was at a very pivotal point in my life and that at that age I could go either way. But one thing about my daddy kind of remind me of them Republicans. <laughs> If he for you, he for you. And it don't matter what you decide to do. He's going to undergird you so that you can be the best that you can be, good, bad, or indifferent. My daddy told me he said If you want to go in this direction, I can show you. If you want to go in that direction, I can show you. He said, but I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> the decision is up to you. He said, now, if you want to go to school, get your grades together, do what you're supposed to do. And I, I was... I was in high school at the time because I remember the timing. I was in high school at the time. I was always a year ahead. And he said, look, if you, if you want to go to school and do what you're supposed to do, you know, and, and, and get your grades together and do what, what I have always instructed you to do, then do it. Do it. This is your opportunity right now. He said, but if that's not what you want to do, if you want to be on these streets, if you want to get out here and you want to, you know, hustle, you want to do this, you want to do that. You know, he has so many choice words and the stuff that he told me. He said, I got you there too. I'll teach you everything you need to know. <laughs> he said, I'll show you. I will show you the way. And I'm telling you, These little shows I be watching about scared straight ain't got nothing on my daddy. Nothing. Because when that man finished talking to me that night, I don't even know if he went to his grave knowing that that conversation right there is straightened me all the way out. You, you, you may not have seen the residual effects of it. Until maybe I got into my, you know, 20s or whatever. But that man, when he gave me that proposal and he was dead serious, he said, you could go in one direction or the other. It was between me and him. He, he, of course, you know, he probably would have had a challenge with my mother had I chosen the other path. But he was dead serious. He was determined I was going to be successful in whatever I wanted to be because I was modeling the wrong behavior. I began in that phase of my life. I started modeling the wrong behavior and he had a fear that I was going to become what he saw out there on the streets with the women that he saw. And as a result, he said, look, I'm not going to let you fail. 
<laughs> I'm not going to let you fail. My daddy was dealing with all kinds of prostitutes and, you know, dope dealers and, you know, hustlers and, and all of that stuff. And saw him go from the highest point to the lowest point. He said, uh-uh, that's not going to happen to you. He's, he, he broke it down, broke it all the way down. And I got myself all the way together. But I was modeling, I, I mean, I was uh, in that socialization phase where it was about what did people think about me? I remember even during that time, I was uh, I was in high school. I was going to Murray Wright, and I used to run with these girls. I used to run with these girls, and you know, I I never was one who drank or smoked because that's another uh, nugget my daddy gave me. I'm so grateful. He said, "Don't you ever do it." He said, "Don't drink, don't smoke, because you have an addictive personality, and you ain't gonna come back from it." <laughs> I watched him and what it did to him. And I decided I'd never do it, you know, and I, you know, I've drank sometimes, but that just wasn't my thing in, in high school. And all of my friends knew, you know, I don't, hey, I don't get into that. I ain't, y'all smoke weed, gonna do it over there. Y'all drink, gonna do it over there, you know. But I still ran with these girls and, and they were my friends. And we, we built the sisterhood, but most of what we did was bought. Most of what we did was fought. I was the one, you know, because people know, you know, I, hey, <laughs> I'm a fight before I think. Get into a situation, I'm the one they call it, let's go, let's go, let's go. But I didn't want to disappoint them. I always had this strong sense of loyalty. I still have that in me. When I was in the world, I was loyal to people to a fault. Thank God he pulled me out before I lost my life. Because I would have died for a lot of people that weren't even worthy of it. But I've always been a very loyal person. But during that phase of socialization, it was so much about what other people thought about me. How they saw me. You know, did they know my loyalty? Did they understand the love that I have for them? All of these things, I was, I was stuck. I was stuck in that phase. I was stuck in that even, even when, I, when I got saved. I started going to church when I was 14 years old, when I met my first pastor. But I I really didn't turn my life over to God until, you know, maybe about 17, 18. And I still was out there backsliding. Every time I backslide, every time (laughs) I get pregnant. Every time. But anyway, the point that I was making is that that is a phase. So the so the between 14 and 21 and I'm, I'm going to take you somewhere with this and then uh the next phase is is seven I'm, I'm sorry 21 and beyond 21 and beyond and that is the phase of self-actualization that's when you come into realization of who you actually are you come into alignment with it you you understand who you are and what you are about you know, let me see. This uh, this alarm is going off. You know, so you come into actualization of who you are, and and you you understand it. And you accept it. That's the most important part. You accept who you are. You live your life in confidence of who you are and whose you are and who Christ is in you and who you are in him. That's that's the last phase, self-actualization. Now, what I wanted to point out to you, and this is why I gave you those age groups, because I wanted you to understand that there's something about where we are in life that if we use this uh, framework as our guide, we'll, we'll, we'll understand the gaps. Okay? We'll understand the gaps. And from 21 years old and beyond, I'm telling you, if you are 21, 22 through 88 and beyond, 
103. Thought somebody was 103. You ought to be in a phase in your life where you are confident in, you are understanding of, and you are acceptive of who you are. You have actualized who you are. You have realized who you are and you walk in it. If you are still being imprinted, you ain't doing nothing. They just pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and you just receiving it. No filters, no uh, process of, of, of um, maturation, nothing. You just, you just getting it. You're just being imprinted. That carbon copy, you just... If you are above the age of 21, you are immature. And you need to do something about it. It's the reason why you're still struggling with rejection. You done went to the deliverance service. You done sat through the message. You done listened to... My little message I tried to do (laughs) yesterday, still struggling. Because you're being imprinted in and you ain't sucking on no pacifier or need no bottle or, you know, some of us, depending on age, might need some diapers. But you ain't zero through seven. On other accounts, If you are above 21, I'm being clear, and you're still modeling, copying, being like somebody else, instead of being who you are, you're immature. I know y'all ain't come to hear this today, but I got to tell you, because unless you get the knowledge, the information that you need, there's no way that you'll be able to apply it to your life and no way that you'll be able to come out. You're immature. If you're still modeling, if you're still looking at the first lady and say, oh, I got to be just like her to have a spiritual walk with God. You, you're immature. I remember one time, and I I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong, so I'm going to put that disclaimer out there right now. But, you know, I've always been with the same man. He and I have been together. You know, my baby is 27. So 28 years. She'll be 28 this year, so it'll be 29. Lord Jesus, we almost been together for 30 years. Same man. And so I've always been the type of person that liked to dress in my younger years more provocatively than I should have. Now I get the right image now. I'm not talking about, you know, some of them that wear them many, many skirts and, you know, the cleavage and all of that out. But, you know, I I used to like dressing a little cute. So I felt like I had a cute little shape. And I wasn't doing it for the men in the church. Lord, have mercy. Don't make me gag. But, you know, my husband liked that. And I liked how I looked. So one day I had the nerve to go to church. And I had on an altar, uh, 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 a halter top. And I knew better. <laughs> I knew better than to wear that halter top. But it, I thought it was so cute. And see, I should have wore you know, maybe a sweater over it and it probably would have been okay. But I wore this halter top to, to church and uh, one of the elders, the mother, Mother Bostick, approached me and we were in our old sanctuary. And she said, don't you know, you don't come to church like that. And don't you know that that's inappropriate? She said, this is what you do. I want you to look at First Lady 
And I want you to see how she dressed. And I want you to dress how she dressed. <laughs> she wanted me to model her, her dress. And you know, I, I love First Lady. And she's a stylish, very stylish lady. But, you know, it's about a 15-year difference. And at that time, I was a lot younger, a little bit more stubborn. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I need to be modeling how she dressed. But anyway, me and First Lady had a good laugh about that years later when I told her because, needless to say, uh, Mother Bostic has some challenges with how she dressed too. But anyway, uh, you know, but but that, so, that seeded in me the perspective or perception that I needed to model myself after the woman of God. And so what did I do? I, you know, the dress I didn't resolve to. But the other things, the man mannerisms, her her uh dis, her her uh, disposition adopted a lot of her perception about certain things until I grew and matured. I was modeling her behavior which was incongruent to who I was. I was a, I was a young mother. At that point I I had we had six of of our seven children. You know, I had five biological. Like I joined their church, I had four. But I I was modeling her behavior because that was placed in me to do. Let's see, I was well over 21. Going, still stuck in a modeling period. And some of us at our age today, we stuck between 14 and 21 in the socialization period. We just want everybody to approve of who we are. We want everybody to approve of what we do. When God ain't called us to that. Here's the challenge that I have for you. And it's, it's, it's more that I want to get into. It's more that I want to get into. But I, I was able to snag me a, a eye appointment for today. And I got to get out of here in a little bit. So I need to get ready. So prayerfully, I'll be able to come and uh, finish this. But uh, I'm going to get into the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And we're going to go uh, verses 1 through 16. Ephesians 1 through 16. And, I'm, and we're going to break that down about maturing. Maturing in the body of Christ. We got we to gotta grow up. We have to grow up. But some of us are so stuck, we have not reached self-actualization because we stuck in uh, socialization. We don't got a consciousness of what people think of us and we want to cater to the perceptions of other people. Come, We got to come out of that. Because that is the tool that the enemy uses to keep us stuck in the spirit of rejection. Now, that's not to say that uh, those who are, you know, between 14 and 21 cannot reach a, a self-actualization phase. That, that don't say, you know, I'm not saying that you can't because we have some mature young people out here. Bible even tell us they'll be more wicked and wise <laughs> as the years go by. Just like you can revert and get stuck in a phase, some people can advance and move forward. But there's so many layers to this. I, I can really just really break this down and really break it down. But from zero to seven, if you are still, if you walking around here, 45, 50, 55, 60, 70 years old, 
and you're still in the imprint phase of your life. I'm not talking about there are certain things that, you know, like like for me, uh, I'm, I'm jumping into uh, a business venture and it's brand new to me. It's brand new. So I may I may hit that at a certain level of development. Somebody may just have to impart. I may just have to sit there and, and soak it up. I may have to model some things and, you know, hey. But it's, it's going to come from the core of who I am. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in uh, this phase of life, in your personal development in life, you don't have no business at 45, 50, 55, 60 years old. I'm even going to say 25, 30, 35, 40, still being imprinted. And some of us during that imprinting phase, we, you know, the copy was, was skewed. It was messed up. Grainy and, and all, uh, destroyed. And what did we do? We reproduced what was imparted in us. Some of y'all need to go back and be re-imprinted because you, you just can't get away from it. Y'all stuck. You stuck. And it's time for you to come out. Some of y'all still modeling. You ain't got no business at 60, 75 years old modeling other people. You stop. Cut it out. Almost make me want to get a ruler and, and tap some knuckles. Cut it out. Be you. Be yourself. How in the world you going to sit around here at 60 years old and you're trying to be like some 40, 30-something-year-old person that don't have the life experiences you have, the knowledge, the wisdom that you have, but yet you're trying to be just like them. I love, I love TDJ. Tony Evans. Trying to think of the women. I don't know why. Millicent Hunter. Ooh, I can see their faces, but can't call their names. So many. I love their ministry. I love it. Uh, 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 Tamara Bennett. Oh, my goodness. Love their ministries. Mother... Um, can't even think of her name right now. I love their ministries. But you won't catch prophetess modeling who they are. For what? That's not you. If you are not walking in self-actualization of who you are, as a man or woman of God, you are doing a disservice to the body of Christ. I must say it. I'm going to say it because you are not giving us the full of the gift that God has given to us through you, through, through the birth, the manifestation, through the um, life of you. What he beautifully and wonderfully, wonderfully made in his image. We ain't getting none of that because you sitting around trying to be like T.D. Jakes. You walking around here trying to be like, um, what's that one? I can't even think of his name, the funny one. And not even Zachary Timms, but that the, the dark one, the chocolate one. I can't even think of his name. Trying to be like them. And, and, and your ministry ain't flourishing because it don't deliver right. Because you ain't them. Trying to build up these mega ministries and mega churches and mega platforms with all of these uh, social influencers. And God ain't called you to all them people and you falling flat on your face because you trying to be like everybody else. You're immature. You're acting like a, a juvenile, a seven year old, a 14 year old. Come on. Grow up. Time for us to mature. You you are not an infant. You are not a toddler. You're not a teenager. 
And as much as we want, we are not 20-year-olds no more. Some of y'all are. (laughs) But for the most part, stop worrying about what other people think about you and living your life based on that. Come on. All right. Well, I'm about to stop right here.